Joel uh, chapter number 2, starting in verse number 12. Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent? And leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering, a drink offering, unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord. Give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should we say among the people, where is their God? Sounds like a, a call that we would have in 2022, does it not? It just seems like the, the prayer and the request that we should have today. I was going to focus on the phrase that I find interesting, probably jumped out at you as we were reading through it. But in verse 13, rend your heart, not your garments. Rend your heart, not your garments. It was uh, rending, rending of the garments was a sign of brokenness. We see that a number of times in Scripture, much like putting on the, uh, the ashes and the sackcloth and so forth. It was a sign of the brokenness. Uh, but as, as so often is the case down through history, um, it became somewhat symbolism. Symbolism. In other words, uh, it became a routine thing became almost a habit thing or a, a scheduled event. Now's the time we'll rend our garments. Now's the time we'll do this. And there wasn't a heart change. It was just an outward change. Thus, thus the command here of God in the book of Joel through the prophet Joel to the nation of Israel. And here in verse number 13, rend your heart, not your garments. Turn unto the Lord your God. God was looking for something different than just the external. Uh, much like we see Jesus Christ as he uh, pointed out the Pharisees in the New Testament. They were, he called them whited sepulchers. You know, they had a, had a nice coat of paint on the outside. But there was something wrong on the inside, right? There was nothing that changed inwardly. Looked great, right? The Pharisees were notorious for their garments, for their activities, you know, uh, for their showmanship. For, for that outward thing that they did, and yet their heart was far from God. They, that, that had not changed. So I thought we would look at a biblical example of this tonight in the proper sense, and that's in Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles 34. So Second Chronicles 34, we're going to see the story of Josiah. Josiah was a Bright light, in, in other words, dark time. Second Chronicles 34. I, if, if, um, if your Bible has the little captions at the top, chapters 32 and 33 in particular are the story of Manasseh. There was no more evil king than King Manasseh. The Bible tells us that. He was the worst. So let's go to Josiah. In chapter 34, and see um, see what happened in Josiah's life. I know it's in order here. 
Chapter 34, verse 1. I'm go we're going to look at most of this chapter. I'll read down through some of it here and we'll stop. Chapter 34, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. So 31 years after he was eight years old. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Walked in the ways of David, his father, declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. So he stayed in line. For in the eighth year excuse me, of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places, the groves, the carved images, the molten images. Verse 4, they broke down the altars of Balaam in his presence, the images that were on the high above them. He cut down the groves, the carved images, the molten images. He broke them in pieces. He made dust of them. He strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. He burnt the bones of the priest upon the altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so did he in the cities of, of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, even unto Naphtali, where their mattocks round about. And when he had broken down the altars and the groves and had beaten the graven images into powder and cut down all the out idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. Now in the eighth year of his reign, so he would have been, what, 16, when he purged the land and the house, he sent Saphin, the son of Azalea, and Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Johaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. When they came to Hilkah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites that kept the doors had gathered of the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim, and of all the remnant of Israel, and of all Judah and Benjamin, they returned it to Jerusalem. They put it in the hand of the workmen that had the oversight of the house of the Lord. They gave it to the workmen that wrought in the house of the Lord to repair and amend the house. Even to the artificers, the builders, they gave they it to buy hewn stone and timber for couplings to floor the houses which the kings of Judah had destroyed. The men did the work faithfully. The overseers of them were Jahath, Obadiah, the Levites of the sons of Merari, Zechariah, Meshulam of the sons of the Kothites to set it forward other of the Levites all that could skill of instruments of music also they were over the bearers of burdens and were overseers of all that wrought the work in any manner of service and of the Levites that were scribes officers and porters and when they brought out the money that was brought to the house of the Lord Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses Hilkiah answered and said to Saphon the scribe I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord and Hokiah delivered the book to Shaphan. Shaphan carried the book to the king, and he brought the king word back again and said, All that was committed to thy servants, they do it. They have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord. They have delivered into the hand of the overseers, into the hand of the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hokiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now much is going to happen once he reads the book. Obviously, in verse number 19, we're going to get to that. Let's go back and look over everything that happened here so far. I want to look at the heart of Josiah. He was a good king in the midst of so many bad ones, and even following the worst of the worst. Josiah, eight years old when he began to reign, obviously he had people around him, godly people around him to help him in those early days. He had been raised right. He had been raised properly at eight years old. The Bible says from the beginning 
Verse number two, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the uh, ways of his father, David. Now, David was many generations removed, but David was a godly king, was the standard by which they measured them by, right? David's the one they looked back on. If they were a good king, a godly king, they did right in the sight of the Lord. They measured that against David as a, as a standard, as a rule by which to go by. And he, he, he was, was modeling the way that he followed God after David. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. We see that in verse number two. He began to seek after God. It tells us that in verse number three. In the eighth year of his reign, when he was yet still young, he began to seek after God, like David his father. And then in the twelfth year, he began to work, cleaning things up. So very early in his life, again, I think we see there had to have been a much godly influence early in his life that got him started on the right track. But then on his own, by the eighth year, so he was 16 years old, he began to seek after God himself. Not, I think that's you know, something we always want to instill in our kids. Don't believe in God. Don't believe in the Bible just because mom and dad say so. Right. We want you to take that for yourself. We want you to have a personal relationship with God. You need to find out how to get prayers answered yourself. What does that mean? Seek God yourself. Look for God yourself, not, not always realize, well, that's what, that's what the church said. That's what Pastor West says. That's what mom and dad, grandma said. You know. No, no, no. You, that's not going to hold up when the storms of life come. When the storms of life come, and I think we find in 2022 that storm of life is often a teacher or professor that very early in your college career begin to get you to question everything you heard and everything that, that was taught in church. If it's just good enough for mom and dad, then you begin to go, well, yeah, maybe mom and dad are just a bunch of old fuddy-duddies. Right? That happens, happens all the time. I, you know, I've seen it happen in my family. I'm sure you have too, where all of a sudden you're just old-fashioned and out of touch. If you're, if you're cool, or today if you're woke, you have a mind of your own. And a mind of your own means you follow wokeness like everybody else. So you don't have a mind of your own. <laughs> You're just following the beaten path, you know. But that, that's, that's where they're at. That's the, so here's Josiah. We see Josiah doing it different. Josiah had been brought up properly, but then began to seek God on his own. He was taught that way. He was directed that way. But there took some initiative in his own heart to say, wait a minute, this is right, this is true, and this is the direction we're going to go. So he was did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, verse 2, began to seek after God, verse 3, destroyed those altars, verse 4. I found it interesting, just the, the little words that are in the Bible, little phrases that are in the Bible, I've, you, you know I've said this a hundred times. It's not in there for filler, right? It's in there important. And it tells us that they did all that in his presence. In other words, he went and showed up. He didn't say, hey, you guys, go down there and destroy them altars. Let me know when it's done. No, he went down there and saw it happen. He was part of it. He was witnessing. Remember, after he went and destroyed those groves and those high places and those altars, then he returned to Jerusalem. But he went. He participated. I think that shows the initiative and the importance that it was to him. 
He destroyed those false religions that had become entrenched there in Judah in the, in the reign before him. Killed the false prophets in verse number 5. Burnt the bones of the priest upon their altars. Very interesting. Verse number 8. He began to repair the house of the Lord his God. It says he got back to Jerusalem. At the end of verse number 7, he returned to Jerusalem. And after he had purged the land, he went to work on the house of God. I, listen, again, not by accident the order of things that were done. The first thing he did was deal with sin. Right? Uh, uh, we want God to work in our lives. We want to get on fire for God. We want to see God answer our prayers. The first thing we have to do is get the sin out. Deal with the sin first. Nothing's going to happen until we get that. We, we try to get things out of whack. Oh, well, I'll just go to church more. Or I'll read my Bible more. Well, let, deal with the sin first. Josiah did that. He went out and took care of the false religions, the high groves, the places of idol worship, got rid of them, went back to Jerusalem and said, all right, now let's fix the house of God. Because it had fallen into disrepair. People didn't care about that anymore, right? They weren't caring about it. They were building the high groves before Josiah had come along. So once he got rid of it, now was the time to fix the house of God. Um, verse number 14. We just read there, when they brought out the money that was brought into the house, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. One of the things I have um, mentioned, I find it funny and yet so true. Where would you think the book of the law might be? You know? It was in the house of God. Uh, you know, that's where they found it, hidden away. They didn't know where it was. Oh, there it is. It's, it's, it's in the place it was supposed to be. It just hadn't been used in forever. Right? I'm sure it had been pushed behind some stuff, covered up with stuff, buried behind things that they deemed more important for the time. Until as they were decluttering and getting rid of stuff, they found what was most important. And that is the book of the law given by Moses. They found this book. It's funny. I think it's funny. In verse number 14, the priest, he found a book. It's even small letters, right? A book of the law. Huh. Wonder what this is. Blow the dust off. Give it to the priest. Give it to the king. Saphin, verse 18, or Shaphan, the scribe told the king, saying, Hokiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. So that's where we're at. They're beginning to fix things up, beginning to rebuild the house of the Lord. They find the book of the law. Now they're going to read it. The king's going to listen to what it says. Listen, this is a godly king. Yes? How long, how long had it been between when Moses gave it and they found it, do you think? Hundreds of years since Moses gave it, but at least uh, two or three kings since it would have been used. So I, I, that's a great question. I should have done that outline on the life of these before him, but it had to have been 40, 50, 60 years <laughs> since there was a godly king that would have exercised that. But we don't have the exact detail, but it had gotten pushed back, especially during the reign of Manasseh, who was the most ungodly and evil of all the kings. And he was the one that, that preceded this. Verse 19 came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law. Here's that phrase we saw in Joel, right? He rent his clothes. He rent his clothes. He heard the, the, the reading of the book, and he rent his clothes. The, 
we're going to see uh, what was a concern with the prophet Joel, rend your hearts, not just your clothes. Here's someone who has a heart that is proper and properly rent his clothes as he heard because his heart was rent first. Verse 20, the king commanded Hilkiah and Aachim, I'm sure I'm messing up these names, just bear with me. Aachim, the son of Shaphan, and Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah, the servant of the king, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah, concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in this book. He was most concerned about the judgment, wasn't he? Look, we've been way off track for way too long. Please find out what the Lord's plan is for this. Hokiah, verse 22, they that the king had appointed went to Huldah, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikbath, the son of Hazara, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem, in the college, and they spake to her to that effect. She answered them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell ye the man that sent you to me. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me. They burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be poured out upon this place and shall not be quenched. And as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall ye say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which thou hast heard, Because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God, when thou heardest his words against this place, against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers. Thou shalt be gathered to the grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word again. So God said, listen, because of all the sin, there will be judgment. And all the things that the prophets have said is going to come to pass. But you have held the dam back, right? You've held the waters back. You've, you've, you've given some time of reprieve because you humbled yourself. Wasn't that, the, wasn't that the promise given? That's the one we use in 2 Chronicles 7.14, right? If my people called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from the wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Forgive their sin, heal their land. The first thing he said, the first thing he said to Josiah, God did, about Josiah, right? He's given this to the prophetess. Josiah hasn't got this word yet. Verse 27, because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God. Uh, later in this verse 27, later in this list of things, God says, you even rent your clothes, but you had a humble heart first, right? The clothes were not that important if, you, if you're not in the right heart with God, but you were, you were. Um, verse 29, the king sent, gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up into the house of the Lord, all the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the Levites, all the people looked great and small. 
and he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. The king stood in his place, made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord, to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul, to perform the words of the covenant which are written in the book. And he caused all that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin uh, to stand to it. The inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Josiah took away all the abominations out of all the countries that pertained to the children of Israel, made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. We're going to stop right there at the end of chapter number 34. Uh, but Josiah knew the importance of this, and he wanted it read to the people. Read to the people. It, it, I found it interesting. Uh, you know, they found the they found the book of Moses, the book of the law. That's that's not the easiest book to read. It's not that easy for us to read in English. I would guess it probably wasn't any easier for them to read in Hebrew at that time either. It had a lot of detail, but it told them a lot about the God that they were to serve and what God's expectations were. So it says Josiah came. What stood in his place had the book read the people stood and listened to the reading of the book a promise was made that they would continue to follow God I was, I was thinking about that God made the promise uh, you will die in peace right none of this will happen in your lifetime if ever there was a time the people should say long live the king this would be it right you know God's going to hold back his hand of judgment as long as Josiah was around we saw what would happen. Eventually, they would fall away. Eventually, they would turn from following God and from the promises made with Josiah. And judgment, indeed, would come because their heart would eventually turn away once again. But I wanted to look at that particular account there of, of Josiah the king. Uh, did, he, did he rend his clothes? Yeah, but that wasn't the important part. right? That wasn't the significant thing. That's what God was talking through the prophet Joel later on. That, Rend your hearts. Get your hearts right. And obviously, I think we see that parallel with where we're at in the United States today. Everything Randy said in his prayer request there tonight. You know, we see a problem in our country where our, uh, where where's the humility and the brokenness and the rent heart? You know, that's, you know, we, we try to say the right things or look right on the outside. And yet that brokenness and humility to God is not at all where it should be. God wants us hum humble, tender, weeping, and rent. We see the grace of God there in verses uh, 26 through 28. In my Bible, that's, that's written in red because God's speaking. We see his grace. Because of the way you came in humility, I will withhold my hand of judgment for this time. I'm going to talk Sunday night about grace. What, what is grace? saving grace and then the grace that God gives us for each and every day. And we see the grace of God given to man right here because they were was judgment due them? Yes. So we see his hand of mercy and withholding the judgment. We see his grace in giving them a period of time before judgment would come. Alright, I'm going to end right there but I wanted to <coughs> share that with you tonight. I thought that was a uh, just an interesting verse and, uh, there in Joel and the story of Josiah there in Second Chronicles as well.